With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. one that jumps out to me is I was such a fan of him growing up that I uh, named our first ever family dog after him. We had a golden retriever. I think the reason I was able to more or less fool my mom into agreeing with the name is she always thought I was saying like a dusty rose, like the actual flower. Uh So here I am, this little kid, and she's like, how did he come up with this poetic, beautiful thing? I mean, why would that even be in his vocabulary or in his imagination? But meanwhile, I was simply trying to say Dusty Rhodes because he was uh, one of, if not my favorite wrestlers growing up. Wow. Do you recall any? That's a very interesting story there. Dusty Rhodes, but uh, <laughs> but it sounds like Rose. Is there a match that you can think of that uh, stood out from Dusty? I mean, I remember going uh, to the uh, Coliseum 
just outside of Cleveland here, which has since been torn down. And then he was one of the, the performers that I wanted to see live. You know, I mean, he really sucked me into it. And then on a more personal level, I had a WWE tryout about a year and a half ago now. Uh, it was the first one at the Performance Center. So they flew some of us down there for a couple of days. And, and he was, you know, still with us then and still working closely with the NXT talent at the Performance Center. And uh, it was really neat because of the second or third day, it was largely... Uh, devoted to promos so it was promo day and he was the one that would kind of clue us in uh on what they were looking for and he had such a gift that he was simply giving us instructions i mean anyone could have said it anyone could have delivered more or less what they were looking for in about a couple sentences maybe a paragraph a minute or two of speaking but the way that he was able to convey it in and of itself was a promo or at least it read that way and just sitting there being told what i w what was expected out of me i remember getting goosebumps and i was like man like it's unbelievable like it, it, even if he's not trying or even if that's not his goal he just had a way of conveying messages and it was it was i mean to be in that the, the presence of that and to see it firsthand and that close i mean it was really it sounds lame almost but i mean it was powerful it was you saw that like that was his gift, and, and it was yeah. nice to uh, be able to have him, you know, share it with, with us and with the people that he did when, when he was still around. Yeah, I, you know what, I don't think it's lame at all, dude. I, I'm going to be honest with you, as much as I've been, you know, in the wrestling business, I've been a journalist for a long time, um, you know, I... <clears throat> I have friends that are wrestlers. I've interviewed many people on the show. And I still, you know, as long as you've been in the wrestling business or a wrestler, you know, yourself, I, I personally don't think that you're ever too there or you haven't made it enough to be a mark for someone. Because, you know, you you, you still got to you emulate someone who's a legend. Like, for instance, if, you know, I, I still don't think it's, uh, and a lot of people even said this when they when they were interviewing people, you know how they're still marks, seasoned vets in the WWE. How they were still marks for Dusty Rhodes, and I still think, you know, if you still have that 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 fan mentality in you, in a way, you know, I, I mm -hmm. understand that you know someone like you, you've been in the business, you know, nearly you know fifteen years, and you know it's 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 still. I still I still think even with someone with your type of expertise and, and and tenure, you know, still being a mark of a legend still kind of makes I I would say and I, I you know you can I don't I don't know you can vouch for this, but I still think that if you make it be, be become a mark and still a mark for someone legendary, I still I I, I think it kind of still makes it fun you know what I mean because I know y'all travel so much. You know, and and especially especially with you, you know, highways and byways of the indie scene for so many years, you know, still still emulating that one or two wrestlers, I'd imagine, you know, that it still it, it still adds it an extra flavor that you need as a wrestling. Am, am I am I far off on that, or or am I close? Oh, I, I would I would say that I think, and and I would hope that anyone involved in wrestling at any level is ultimately a fan it's it's solely some weird ego thing to try to deny that or, or maybe it's not necessarily an ego thing maybe you are genuinely not a wrestling fan and you're in it for the fame or money or things like that and there are fortunately those people but i would say the vast majority of us aren't and the vast majority of us are and should be fans and 
there's again, it's only like some weird ego thing to to think that you're above that and to be like, well, I don't like anyone or don't be a mark because I learned that in wrestling school or read about that in the internet or that's the cool thing I'm supposed to say. But like, no, I mean, absolutely. Like, what does that mean? It means you you you're passionate about something. It means you get excited about something or someone. Like I'll say right now, AJ Styles is amazing, amazing. I love watching his matches when he's wrestling. I don't know what to expect. I freak out. It's awesome. He's awesome. So, am I a mark for AJ Styles? Sure, whatever. I you know, but it's, it's I'm a fan of what he does, of his athleticism, of what he brings to the table. And so it's like it, it would be awful to think that anyone in, involved in this wouldn't have feelings like that for for anyone or anything or you know they they probably probably shouldn't be involved yeah i think that's absolutely well said and yeah aj styles that's a great person to talk about have you ever wrestled aj i have not uh that is like one of my dream matches wow. we've had like multi-man matches i think we had like a four-way uh stuff like that but uh, we have never met one-on-one which blows my mind because i've probably been saying since like 2004 i mean i remember seeing him on like the very very first weekly wednesday night tna pay-per-view and i was just like holy crap this guy rules so like probably shortly thereafter i'm like that's a guy i would love to wrestle you know in a dream match type scenario and i feel like i've been very like public and open about that and uh i feel like the match would deliver it's sort of a no-brainer and it's uh yeah i'm 14 years in at this point it's never happened so that would uh yeah, any promoter listening. Yeah, <laughs> it was the first time ever for you. Wow. Yeah, I you know, there's no doubt that I think that you and AJ would just blow the the roof off for sure. And I think even you know AJ's you know uh, uh, approaching forty you know now uh, almost there. And even the, even with you know so much experience in the business there's still a resurgence of AJ Styles. And, I, and I've shared this on a previous show before. You know, you, you get those people who have been in the business for so long, and then they do something different. They just kind of tweak their character. We said that with Taker. We said that with Sting. You know, and I think we saw with AJ when he was in TNA and he went to the whole no one uh, gimmick when he was coming, he had the you know his hair down you know down his face, and he would come from the crowd and have the the hood on and the different music, and that was I think that was that the turned the corner of AJ's character because they were booking him a bit lousy for for a while, and that just really kind of turned him over because now we see you know him being in the Bullet Club. And him being one of the best, to my personal awards, him being one of the, I would say, wrestler of the year. I think him and Jay Lethal, you know, is is a very tight knit race. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I I really think that just turning the corner and, and making that type of uh, change, uh, gimmick change, and something different about. Uh, just the, the gimmick just really helps. And I think I would say the same thing for you because for so long, you know, you, and you still are Matt Cross in the Indies, but you, 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 you're a clean shaven and then you grow this, you know, humongous, uh, wide family style beard, you know, and, 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 uh, and they throw a mask on you. 
and Son of Havoc is born. How how did that come about? Uh, that was just kind of uh, tossed my way uh, at the very last minute. Um, to be honest, I got that the day of the first filming. So wow. um, I'm glad that I was... I, and am 14 years in at this point because I don't think that's something you could just give to, to anyone. And, uh, I mean, in some ways it was a challenge, but I was really excited because instead of seeing it as a challenge, which it was, it, to me it was more of an opportunity. And, again, I was glad that I'm I'm 14 years into wrestling so that I knew whatever they gave me, I was going to make it work. Like, I felt for years that I am ready, however you want to define that, and I simply needed a platform. I'm like, put me somewhere where people can see me the end. I mean, I could have one four-minute match on WWE Raw and be selling hundreds and thousands of T-shirts that night. Like, that's my belief in myself that has always pushed me forward. And it's been frustrating to, I mean, I love the indies. If I have to make fans one at a time, driving 10 hours at a time, each and every weekend and just getting people and winning them over in little itty bitty things like that. I've been doing it for years. I will continue to do it here for years. That's great. I mean, in my heart, I'm a punk rocker. So this is punk rock. You know, I'm traveling the roads. I'm doing my thing. I'm living the way life, the way I want to do. And, and ultimately I have this insane amount of freedom that I uh, enjoy. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I've always felt that I just needed a platform and then, I knew Lucha Underground and the people obviously involved, and it's you know a, a big time thing. And I really believed in the product and believed in what they were going to do and how they were going to essentially reinvent wrestling and and be that change that us as wrestling fans have clamored for for so many years. And and I just you know you could give me pretty much anything, and, and I was going to make it work. And I was like, okay, you know, like the outfits all black, that's cool. Like <laughs> I've got yeah. this crazy beard right now, you know. I, I'll make this work, and then slowly uh, but surely, I feel like I did. And you know, whatever there was an opportunity, or whatever I, I saw I could make an opportunity, or, or just you know, get momentum on my side, I've made the most of it. And I mean, it's been a really incredible season with them, and just the, even the, the story arc of Son of Havoc and what I've been able to accomplish there in, in you know a relatively short amount of time has been insane. And just the show itself is so good, and I think that. Uh, the rise of my character is pretty much unprecedented, especially oh, yeah. on that show in particular. So it's just it's been it's just been great. And uh, I, again, I was so happy to be involved and to get that opportunity that I was going to make it work. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's well deserved. There's there's no point. There's no question about that. That it's well deserved. And you know, <laughs> you having so much tenure, you know, sometimes you got to get in where you fit in. And you know you you fit you fit very well uh, as the son of havoc character. So even before that, way back in the day, nearly 15 years ago, you decided that you wanted to be to to, to really make this actual live for real stuff. You wanted to be a pro wrestler. Were, were there anything else? Were there any other goals or aspirations that you had? Or was it, you know, either wrestling or this or wrestling or college or wrestling or whatever? Or was it just like, even from when I was a kid, I watched this, uh, you know, these few people and realized that, yes, I'm going to be a wrestler. I watched wrestling as a child, but I don't think, I mean, maybe in some like weird childlike fantasy way, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a wrestler or you're like, throwing punches at the TV screen kind of thing. But I don't think at that age you're, you know, really thinking about it seriously. So 
in a way, wrestling almost chose me. You know, I, I don't know if I, I fell into it in a way. Um, my background is in competitive gymnastics, so I did that for close to 11 years and was competing all across the country, which comes in handy now for obvious athletic reasons, but also for, you know, travel reasons. I got used to at a young age, that you know, spending life away and in hotels and doing doing that. So that's uh, very normal to me. Um, and, you know, I just had friends that were just really captivated by wrestling and, and introduced me to ECW. And uh, it, it wasn't until... I just, you know, kind of fell head over heels for for ECW and what they were presenting, and and, and that, you know, reimagining of wrestling more or less. And and I would say that was the first time, maybe around like eighteen or so, uh, when I was watching ECW, and I started thinking like, this is obviously awesome and, and so awesome, and, and I feel like I could do it. I mean, with my uh, competitive gymnastics background, and at that time I was still competing. So I mean. The things that, you know, Super Crazy and Tajiri and uh, uh, all these guys were doing, I could you know, really intimately relate with. And, and I was like, man, this is awesome. So, you know, I just kind of took to the backyard with my buddies who were already doing that. And we just live in a small town in Ohio and we're straight edge. So we're just beating each other up because there's nothing better to do. And uh, and then I, uh, you know, so I just kind of fell into wrestling in that way. And I never really, even then, thought like, this will be a career, you know. And I just... I started doing it. Uh, I received my formal training because I realized it was something that I wanted to do on some sort of serious level. You know, I, I didn't want to just remain in the backyard, and I realized you had to get training if you if you wanted to, you know, pursue this further, which I had a heart-to-heart and decided that I did. And then, uh, I, you know, kind of trained for about a year and then was let loose on the indies. And, and since then, <laughs> every time that someone writes me with an offer, uh, you know, we talk, I accept it, and I show up and I wrestle. And it's like, in a way, that's 14 years that are a blur because I'd never sat down with any sort of master plan. I never sat down with, I would get an email about a potential booking and I would think about it and be like, that sounds awesome. I'll do it. And then again, like in a way it's now 14 years later and I'm still doing that exact same thing, like answering emails, (laughs) driving to shows. Uh, So I, I never had this, like, I will be this pro wrestler or I will whatever. And it's just, and it's weird, too, to be, you know, 18 years old and in your backyard and being loosely aware of, like, pro wrestling existing in, in Mexico and Japan, but but nothing outside of that. And now, this many years removed, it's like, I've wrestled in 20 countries and just, you know, <laughs> there's a wreckage from that downed Malaysia flight that's washing up in the Indian Ocean and, and it's uh, washing up on a little island called La Reunion and no one in the world's ever heard of that. And as I'm watching the news, I'm like, I've wrestled there. A tiny island off of Madagascar, off of Africa. And I'm like, here's what this retina... You know, I think the news often just says it's a small, tiny island, and it's presented as if it's some kind of Gilligan's Island type thing. And I'm like, no, it's La Reunion, and I've literally wrestled there. Like, So it's just taking me all over the world, which I, I never could have foreseen, and that's what I'm so grateful for. And, and that travel is what just fuels my passion for wrestling and being able to, to see the world through something that I enjoy doing and... Yeah, so it was never um, like this this well thought out career path. Uh, I mean, once I, I'm, I don't quit anything. Uh, <laughs> um, like I was never someone to like drop out of a class or change a class. Or I never, I stopped gymnastics because there's no career path for gymnastics. So everyone stops, you know, like so like that. But that was not something I never. I did it until you couldn't do it anymore. Like 
everything I've ever done, I've done until you can't do it anymore. And I realized like that's just who I am as a person. Like I found out who I was, I believe at a young age or around 15 or so I was like drinking and all that seems kind of lame to me. So straight edge spoke to me. I discovered punk rock and I just, I've never looked back, you know? So it's like, here I am, you know, 20 years after that. And I'm like, still love punk rock. Straight edge still makes sense to me. still going to do these wrestling shows. So I'm presenting it as if I'm like this ultra disciplined and like great person. Maybe it's a, a fear of change or something. You know, you could obviously reframe it easily and be like, this guy thinks he's so cool, but he's actually an idiot. So I don't know which one it is. Um, I just know those things to be true. So whether that's a positive or a negative, I don't know, <laughs> but I know that's a, uh, that's Matt Cross. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's awesome. I remember, uh, knowing about Matt Cross, um, probably 10, 11 years ago uh, when mm-hmm. I, I'm also from Ohio. I live in Ohio. And, oh, cool. uh, yeah, and so basically every week um, on, I believe it was Fox Sports Ohio, I believe it was, they used to yeah. air uh, this show called Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. And right. I remember you and, and Gregory Irons and uh, Brody Lee and Josh Prohibition and I watched that. I watched it every week because I'm such a huge wrestling fan. I was born, I believe, I was born a wrestling fan, and I watch every wrestling show that's that's on the air. And I was like, you know, I, I still as a as a uh, early twenty year old back then. You know, I was in my early twenties back then, and I and I was like, okay, you know, I, I had a critical eye. You know, when I first started watching Cleveland All Pro, you know, because I was like, okay, this indie crap going on. What, what is this? And so, but when I but when I started watching more of it, it actually there there was storytelling to it. I remember you and Prohibition had, you know, uh, you were teaming, you were warring, and of course uh, uh, Johnny Gargano as well. Uh, and I realized, well, wait a minute, this is a pretty nice talent pool of wrestlers here so uh, let it yeah share with us your experience at cleveland all pro uh well it's uh that's where i was trained um it was owned by a guy named uh, jt lightning who passed uh four years ago uh with Mm -hmm. cancer he was only like 40 years old um but he's the one that kind of discovered josh and i just in our backyard We, we were getting some buzz just because we were the local idiots that were just doing the craziest stuff and you know, we ended up being in a, in a video game and a video series for our, our backyard antics. And, you know, so we got some notoriety out of it. And uh, we were kind of approached uh, by JT Lightning, again, the owner of Cleveland All Pro. And he was like, you know, you guys are doing this really crazy stuff. I mean, you have no fundamentals. You have no idea what you're doing. But you're clearly athletic and crazy. So you've got things that would really work well in this business. And he's like, you know, let me come down to my school. Let me train you. Let's Let's talk here. Uh, because I think you could do something. And that was when I had to realize, like, oh, am I just going to, like, have fun in my backyard for a year or so or whatever it is? Or or is professional wrestling something that I can or, or want to do? And, uh, you know, once I sat down with JT, I, you know, again, I had that hard to heart with myself and realized, oh, this is something I want to pursue. And he definitely saw something in me and was like, I, you know, I, again, think that you can do something in this business. Uh it kills me that, you know, he's no longer here to, to see things like Lucha Underground. Um, but, you know, 
hopefully he's uh, watching over us and everything. But Cleveland Oppo ran for something like 14 years. or I mean, yeah. I didn't think WCW was around that long. So, I mean, it was a really long-running independent company. Uh, I think in, like, 1998, I saw uh, right when I very first started training him, you know, I would go to the shows to, to help out. And uh, JT had an eye for talent. You know, he booked uh, – he was one of the first people to book uh, CM Punk versus Colt Cabana. Uh, I remember seeing them wrestle uh, from, you know, somewhat nearby Chicago in, like, again, 98. Uh, I think they did a reverse Rana. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I remember freaking out. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, like, and just wanting to talk to these dudes afterwards. And then, again, I'm a straight-edge punk from Cleveland. CM Punk is a straight-edge punk from Chicago. So, I mean, we were instant – we're – more or less the same age. I think he's a little older, but like, you know, between uh, Josh Prohibition, Colt Cabana, Punk, and myself, we were fast friends. You know, it was like, here are guys traveling the world trying to make something of themselves in this crazy wrestling business. We like the same bands, the same music, the same lifestyle, and everything. So, you know, we became friends with those guys uh, really early. Um, and, and yeah, like, you know, JT again just had an eye for talent. Uh, it was weird because it went from just being like the small local promotion. And then, you know, we were able to secure this television deal. And depending on your provider and whatnot, it was available nationwide. So, I mean, people could really see it everywhere, which was kind of crazy because the, the feedback I would get, I'd get from all over the world. Like, there'd be people just from, like, I remember getting an email from, like, Hawaii and, like, Calgary and, like, just all over, you know, other countries even if it's going all the way to Calgary. So it was, it was super odd to me, like, the reach of the show because, uh, again, it was, like, what you think of your small local indie, and then all of a sudden it had this like nationwide and to a much lesser extent international like fan base or or yeah. or, or or feed of people that could be seeing it. So it was a uh, pretty crazy, and yeah, it ran up until again like JT passed away uh, four years ago. So I think that was uh, when the last show was. But I mean, it, it again was going strong for something like like fourteen years. So uh, it had a it had one heck of a run. I mean, it was it was impressive. You know, I mean, it it was it's a uh, JT and Cleveland All Pro is definitely like the, the godfather of Cleveland wrestling. And, and if you look at it now, you think of guys like myself, you think of Gargano, you think of Greg Iron, you think of Josh Probation, and all of us were, were trained by JT. So he kind of had his hand on, uh, you know, EC3 is from Cleveland. Anyone that's anyone out of uh, Cleveland had some sort of story, interaction, was trained directly by, I mean, again, he's, he's definitely like the, the godfather of Cleveland independent wrestling and, and has a hand on, on all of us. So it's cool to see even kind of uh, alluding to your point, like watching CAPW that many years ago, uh, we were all such unseasoned uh, learning talent. If you look back at it now, it is pretty cool. I mean, again, I wrestled uh, CM Punk there on Cleveland All Pro Television. So it's like you were getting these matches that's, you know, I wrestled Jerry Lynn there. You were getting early Johnny Gargano stuff. You're getting Josh Prohibition. You're getting Greg Iron starting out. So uh, looking at it now, it's kind of interesting to see how, uh, you know, far a lot of us have been able to go from from that uh, meager and and humble beginning yeah absolutely it's very interesting that uh, like you said uh, just the talent and and so many people from Cleveland All Pro has been you know they have been very notable indie stars within you know of course lucha of course you know uh, places like Takara PWG you know places like that and sure. just very, very notable, you know, indie promotions and, you know, nationally televised promotions, you know, and I definitely, you know, give major kudos to to uh, JT Lightning for that. Because uh, I remember when you were on Tough Enough and, 
And when you, when you first came on Tough Enough, I was you know well, I was well aware of of Matt Cross coming on Tough Enough as far as when you when you came on, I was like, okay, yeah, I was, I'm pulling for Matt because I know who he is, <laughs> you know what I mean, I, yeah, and, I, sure. and I understand, and I, and I support him, and I, and I, I'm, I want him to win because I know that from his matches, and, you know, it's something about indie wrestlers wrestling on Tough Enough to me that I, I'm pulling for them because I understand they know how it is, and you, you had that experience, and, you know, just, just real quick, if, if you could, if you can let us know your experience with Tough Enough, just you know, not not much into it. What are the what are the positive takeaways you can take you can take from being on uh, the last season of Tough Enough? Yeah, like to, to your point, it's you know you want to cheer for the guys who have this indie background because you know as we've touched on throughout this interview, like you know that they have the passion, like they have yep. the desire, they know what they're getting into, and this is something they genuinely want. Let's take my season as an example. I was on there with thirteen other men and women. How many of those people are are even still wrestling, and were a few short years removed? If something is your dream and your passion and your life's work and goal, and you quit it six months to a year after or instantly, you can't tell me that you, you didn't care about that at all. You got on a television camera in front of the entire world and lied to them. And that doesn't sit well with me. You know, it's like I said on the show that this is what I do and I will continue to do it. And whatever happens, you can find me in a show near you this weekend, next weekend, or some upcoming weekend, because this is what I do. I wrestle because I want to be a wrestler. <laughs> and, and it's, it's so frustrating to see people who are just after that, that 15 minutes of fame and, and things like that. And I thought the show at the time came for, came at a perfect time for me. You know, I was like, this is great. I've been at this for, I think roughly 10 years at that point. And, uh, again, I, I felt I always need a platform and I felt ready and I was ready to go. And, uh, there's just a, a big disconnect between the people that cast the show and they see what you're capable of. And then the people who create the show, I mean, ultimately it's a television show, so you can kind of draw your own conclusions. And it's, and it's unfortunate that that's how it plays out. Uh, some of the positives, I mean, the biggest positive by far and away is, is being able to stay in, in touch with Stone Cold Steve Austin to this day. I mean, I didn't even know what, if any, interactions we would have with him on the show when I had heard that he was a part of it. I thought maybe he'll come in and just film some cutscenes after the fact or maybe, you know, he'll be behind this screen or just, I thought it would be very limited interactions. And on the show, to some degree, it was. But uh, post-show, he, he reached out to me, and, and I could have never expected that. I'm sure his work there was done, so to speak. And at no point, I can't imagine in his contract, it was like, pick one of these guys and then be friends with them or something, you know? <laughs> like Obviously, uh, this wasn't something that he contractually had to do. So, it was really neat to, to, I mean, again, he reached out to me and encouraged me and said that, you know, uh, I should not be uh, discouraged uh, by the show and, and I shouldn't quit and that I do have what it takes. And, and, and you know, we, the respect that I had shown him on the show and the understanding of this wrestling business, it's shown through. Maybe it doesn't make the best television product uh, for the production company putting it on, but wrestlers are wrestlers. Wrestlers understand, and this is why guys like Bill DeMott and Stone Cold Steve Austin pulled me aside, encouraged me, and helped me to this day because they understand what I'm doing. I mean, it was Stone Cold who told me it's been ten. It took me ten years to be an over uh, an overnight name, 
And it's like, you think about that. It's like, it did seem like just all of a sudden he was famous. And he's like, no, nah, it takes it took me 10 years of hard work. I understand what you're doing. I, he, you know, he was on the indies. He was working territories. And he, he understands that, that grind. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's the obvious and, and biggest perk is I would have never thought that like to this day I, I can, I can shoot him a text or I can call him. And I mean, that's, insane when you think about it and he's a he's awesome he's like he's very knowledgeable obviously he cares deeply about this business he'll share his experiences and his thoughts and knowledge and it's just really 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 cool uh and then the other uh, unforeseen and great thing about it is that the same television company that made that show is now uh, more or less making tough enough or uh, making roots underground so there's a lot of the same people involved so i don't think that i would be uh, in lucha underground if i wasn't on tough enough so I always want to say that I wish I hadn't done it, hadn't done tough enough. And to a large degree, I do feel that way. Um, but now, uh, in light of this uh, recent season and the, the pure awesomeness that is Lucha Underground, I, I have to stop shy of saying that I wish I never did it because I believe that my involvement in that TV show led me to this one. So uh, it's kind of crazy and weird how things kind of go full circle and the, the television industry is um, – it's not as big as it seems. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, inbreeding for lack of a better term. The same people are involved in a lot of the same kind of projects, and and uh, you know, in this case, that was that was a great thing, and I'm glad uh, that's how it worked out. Yeah, we can definitely say the same for Eva Lee as well. I mean, I think she was the the first person uh, eliminated, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she was in the in the first few people eliminated at least. Uh, and mm-hmm. she ended up, you know, having a, a career in NXT, and of course, as you sure. know, she had a, you know, a, a career and still has a career at Lucha Underground, and was one third of the trios champions with you and Angelico. So, you know, uh, let us know, you know, your your experience working with Eva Lee. Oh, it's crazy because Eva Lee and I have known each other for quite some time, and we we were uh, we knew each other prior to Tough Enough. So even kind of being cast on that show was, was interesting because it was nice to just see a friendly face. I mean, here was someone that was going to kind of go through this with me and someone that I knew wasn't just going after their 50 minutes of televised fame. Uh, here's someone that I knew liked wrestling. I knew, I mean, again, if your dream is to be a pro wrestler, do it. There's infinite avenues with which to do it. If, you, that's, if your dream is anything, do it. If your dream is to be a professional bodybuilder, Go lift some weights. Go attend some seminars. Go start doing your research. Go figure like figure it out. Like you can't expect things just to be handed to you. And it's like that's what's so crazy about these people who just like wax poetic about how their dream is to be a pro wrestler. I don't believe that for a second. If you're not already doing it, <laughs> like I mean, go go to the gym. Go just just make it happen. You know, like that's our world. You got to grab it. You know. Um, so it was nice to, again, know that someone is there uh, at a friendly face that I've met before this, that I know has the passion for it, that I know wants to do it. Um, so it was great. And, and being in such a, you know, traumatic experience like that, uh, you know, ends up being and being in such close quarters with those people, you're really, it's, I, I don't want to draw some kind of war analogy out of respect for, for veterans and things like that, but, but it's, it's a traumatic experience. Uh, so you in the same way you're, you're drawn really close to those people in a short amount of time. You're going through such an insane, uh, I mean, I know it's reality television, but it's, 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 it's the, the, the way in which it's doesn't mimic reality is just insane. So you're in this like crazy situation that you have never and will never be involved in otherwise. I mean, we don't live in houses without clocks or televisions just as a very surface level example. Uh, 
so everything that's happening is just very different, and, and you're just drawn close to these people. So me and Ivelisse got very close throughout that process, and then afterwards they, they flew us in to make appearances at Raw as a cast and things like that. Um, so it was great, you know, getting to be able to hang out and, and, and party in hotels or whatever and just and, and be able to bond. And then so we grew uh, very close over that time. And it's funny how, you know, we're two people just uh, trying to make a living and, and chase our dream in this crazy wrestling business. And it, it's weird how our careers have paralleled uh, one another to some degree. And then to to see her because she got introduced uh, pretty early. So I'd already been there a week or two on Lucha Underground when she uh, was brought in. And it was like, oh, here she is again. You know, it's just because we had such a crazy experience throughout Tough Enough. And it was like, here's another crazy experience. And, and But that's kind of the way the wrestling business works, too. You know, you kind of run into a lot of the same people and just, I'll see Sonjay Dutt like once or twice a year, but it'll be like in Russia. And then the next year, year in Germany. And then the next year, you know, somewhere else. And like, and you always just pick up where you were if, if you're, you know, close friends or whatever. But uh, so, yeah, with Ivelisse, it was, it was just cool to, to see her on board and, and to have her be a part of it and to see that, you know, friendly, familiar face uh, again and be, be able to, like, open this uh, new chapter together. You know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Sanjay, that he uh, has a big hand in uh, GFW at the, at the point of time. And um, <clears throat> have you have TNA or GFW ever reached out to you? Uh, well, I mean, I signed a contract with Lucha Underground. I've been offered many contracts in my past, but I was always hesitant to sign them because they always seemed in the promotion's best interest and, and not mine. And maybe it's the punk rocker in me or whatever, but like, I don't want to be tied down to anything and I enjoy my freedom over anything. I mean, Obviously, money—you know—you need it to live. But uh, I think just freedom is is kind of priceless. And I'd see these people that you know are doctors, for example, and live in these mansions. But how much do they get to enjoy them if they're just always at the office or always working? So I uh, I love being able to make my own schedule and have that freedom. Um, but I believe so strongly and do believe so strongly in the Lucha Underground product that that the, it's the first wrestling contract that I signed. You know, I was like, you know what, guys? I realized how it, it wasn't just oh, money. I mean, sure, there's money. But, like, to me, it was like, you, you're going to be a part of the thing that you have wanted so badly as a fan for well over a decade, if not 15 years? Like, this is the change that we've all wanted. Like, this is the future. This is the evolution. This is, we're not making fun of our fans anymore. This is, like, just, such, it's, a, it's an absolute revolution. And I was like, I can not only be involved but have like an integral part of this and be be intimately involved with that change and i'm like that's awesome so it's like it's not just another run-of-the-mill wrestling contract for another run-of-the-mill company i'm like i'm signing on to the what i believe is the future I, i'm signing on to like something that's like man i was so enthralled by ecw back in the day i'm like this is like that but uh, cooler like i'm like if you if you could give me a, a ecw contract back in the day i would have just it's it's unimaginable, and, and I'm, like, kind of putting myself in those shoes or that time and being like, that's more or less what's happening, I feel like. So, you know, I, again, I was happy to sign that contract. So I, I'm uh, I'm kind of with them uh, happily uh, for, for, you know, the, the foreseeable future, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Interesting uh, interesting fact that a uh, point that you wanted to – that you could envision yourself – being having an ECW contract and, and wrestling for the ECW back then, how would you have kind of assimilated into the brand? Now, of course, those who watched ECW faithfully 
we know that it was not just always hardcore and just break break bones and you know uh and hit people upside the head with chairs all the time. There was a lucha following. There was a you know light heavyweight cruiserweight you know following with of course Guerrero and Ray and Psychosis and you know you name it uh, D Malenko uh, and the list goes on. How would you have booked yourself and who would you want to work with uh, back then in ECW? I mean the three feuds that always spoke to me and, and what defined hardcore wrestling to me. Uh, and again, it doesn't have to, like what you touched on, it doesn't have to mean some guy hitting some guy with a chair. Like To me, hardcore wrestling was and is guys like RVD versus Jerry Lynn, like just innovating and going insane. Like that was hardcore wrestling because it was so different than what was being presented other places. I was like, this is such an athletic showcase and it's just so crazy. And so, you know, RVD versus Jerry Lynn, uh, Super Crazy versus Tajiri, and Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. The three feuds that I just... Yeah. took so much from as a fan and, and just so much enjoyment. And, and I would have loved to, um, you know, again, those guys all defined hardcore wrestling to me. And I just saw myself in that. And I've always, you know, kind of patterned myself after that. And, and I liked guys like RVD because I genuinely didn't know what he was going to do. Like, and it seemed like I bought into that he could do anything. So I'm like, this guy could do anything and I don't know what he's going to do next. Like, so just that element of surprise. And, and that's a way that I believe I've been like directly influenced by, by someone and by him. It's like, I try to bring that same element of like, who knows what this guy's going to do. And he's he seemingly, seemingly capable of anything. And, and so just, I, I would imagine myself, mixing it up with, with any of those kind of guys. And yeah, I mean, just those crazy international three ways they'd have where it's like little Guido and Tajirian super crazy and any, any mix of all that kind of stuff. Ironically enough, I guess uh, years later now I've been able to, uh, I've wrestled uh, super crazy RVD, Jerry Lynn. Uh, so a lot of those guys who, I mean, I named six guys that made me want to get into wrestling. So to have wrestled half or something, it's like, it's really neat for me because it's like, man, those guys, those guys alone were like 100% of the reason I wanted to wrestle. And now I've wrestled 50% of them. Like who would have, you know, when I was at heat wave 98 in Dayton, Ohio, like I would have never thought like as RVD and Sabu are wrestling Hayabusa, like maybe I'll wrestle like RVD and Sabu and stuff, you know? <laughs> like, so it's just really, it's cool. Uh, it shows that, you know, what's really possible in the idea of setting goals and kind of working toward them and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I would have, I, I would have thought I fit in uh, quite well because there was such an athletic base of talent and, and guys kind of pushing the envelope. And it was, it was so, so awesome that I think it would have fit in uh, well there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you mentioned, I mean, I was a big fan of those three feuds as well, but specifically, Particularly uh, uh, RVD and Jerry Lynn. I, I was a big yeah. Jerry Lynn fan, still am, and I always wanted Jerry Lynn to win, but he never did. <laughs> and yeah. it was yeah. unfortunate that he would. That Jerry Lynn, I'm like, oh man, just beat RVD for once. It's kind of like it, it was kind of like uh, Raven and Tommy Dreamer. Like you know, I think Dreamer went like two years without beating Raven. And you know, finally beat him, and yeah, it was it was it was kind of like that with RVD and Jerry Lynn, but they would tear the house down. I remember oh, yeah. an episode of uh, uh, ECW on TNN uh, back in the early 2000s. Actually, I think it was late 90s. Um, 
it was a match between RVD and Jerry Land. It was an hour show, and they basically took up the entire hour, just about, because they yeah, were just, it was the clinic out there. And just, of course, Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka, oh, my goodness. I, I've been a big – I was a big Tanaka fan, too, with the Roaring Elbow. And yeah. I just – it was something It's something about the Roaring Elbow that I just love that. I just love that, uh, that move for some reason. Uh, and he was one of the best executors of the Roaring Elbow. And, yeah, for some reason, you know, Matt Cross versus Masato Tanaka just seems like – it just seems like a fantastic match to me. Yeah, like, I always see pictures and, and read things, and I know that he's still wrestling, and that's a guy that I haven't even met him. Like, just to meet him would be really, really neat for me. Uh, but let alone wrestle him, mean, obviously that'd be great, because be, yeah. it's nice to, like, kind of tick off those boxes, so to speak, of all these guys that, I mean, again, I feel like there's six guys that, like, got me involved in this. So, uh, you know, to, to be involved with them or to be able to test myself against them. And I mean, like what an honor to, to have multiple matches against Jerry Lynn. And I remember one of the first times I wrestled him, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm aware of your stuff. I, I know kind of your style and what you do. And, and, you know, let's, let's, let's do some of that stuff me and Rob used to do. And it was just, this is so many years ago too. So I was like, a, you know, more or less a kid. And just to hear that was like, it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. You know, I was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, he, you want to do types of things that, like, you and Rob Van Dam used to do? Like, that's the only reason I'm even in this is because of, like, what you guys were doing. And to, and to be able to, like, test myself and see if I could hang with someone like that that was just such an insane talent, you know, it was, it was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last part is going to be the name association. i got five names for you, and just let me know your thoughts on them. Let's go. Let's start off with CM Punk. Uh, it's great, you know. I've uh, been friends since 98, 99. Uh, he, he drove his, uh, he still with WWE at the time, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, some loosely around that timeline. And uh, I got a text from him the day before, like, hey, dude, what are you doing tomorrow? And I don't know, it's a Tuesday. And he was leaving Raw somewhere in, like, New Jersey, and he he was uh, in the, uh, like, a tour bus at the time uh, kind of deal. So, so he just drove his bus over the next day. <laughs> and, uh, we got to, to go out to eat and catch a workout and stuff, and it was just like, man, how cool is this, you know? So it's like he always uh, – he gets a bad rap sometimes by people, but I think he has his circle and the people that he feels safe around, and he's very good to those people. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, there's someone that, like, always believed in themselves, uh, always thought that they were, you know, very uh, more than capable, has always chased his dreams. I mean, how – how are you going to knock that? You know, I mean, here's a guy that went from pro wrestling, which is how many people's in the world's dreams, millions, you know, the world over want to be in the WWE, want to be a pro wrestler. He, you know, and now for him to be like, Oh, been there, done that. I'll also achieve another completely separate dream, you know, multiple dreams. Like I'll, I'll write comic books. I'll be in the UFC. I mean, it's just, it's insane. So I think the takeaway, at least for me or someone kind of closer to the situation, is just again to believe in yourself and just try it. You know, it, it, it's we live in such a such a negative world now, and this almost ties back to ECW. I, I wonder if ECW was around now, what would happen? I thought it was the coolest thing ever. The end. New Jack was the best wrestler ever. You know, and nowadays it would have been like he's not even a wrestler; he's just jumping off stuff. Like, what are they doing? This doesn't make sense. Oh, two stars on this. It would just, there'd be so much negativity associated with it. I never thought that way. I was like, this is awesome. I love it. I just, I love it. And I feel like, I don't know, it's a more innocent and just, just happy time now. People are so cynical now. So uh, it's easy 
to sit around to be cynical. It's easy. It's so easy to, to, to think things should be done this way or to be the armchair quarterback. It, it takes no balls. So I like guys like him that put themselves out there. What's going to happen to him in UFC? Who knows? Who knows? But he did it. And, like, that's the point. Like, that's the point, at least to me, and I, and I think he would agree. It's like he's going to go in there with, you know, more or less his life on the line to some degree, and he's going to do it because he wanted to. And other people are going to sit at home and comment one way or the other while he does it. I mean, he's just like he's living life, and that's what I think we could all, you know, only hope to do. Mm-hmm. Paul Heyman. Uh, he's a guy that I haven't met and I would absolutely love to. I mean, again, as like arguably the world's biggest ECW fan, <laughs> uh, it was so amazing how he, you know, was able to just play on people's strengths, hide their weaknesses. I mean, everything he did with ECW was just, it was unbelievable. That's another reason I would have liked to, to be there and to work under him and see what he could bring out of me and what he saw in me and what I could present to him in, in that collaborative, uh, you know, effect of wrestling, which is some of its best parts and kind of, to, to just to, just to pick his brain and and you I mean you listen to like his podcasts with Stone Cold or or you know the places that he's done them and it's like you they're so informative and you take so much away and just the way he speaks and how he carries a message and it's just he, he's obviously intelligent and and hyper talented and I, I would love to uh, meet uh, and certainly work with him someday. Booker T. <laughs> uh, he was interesting because I mean the majority of my interactions with him I first met him in like 2008 uh, on the Ultimate Warriors uh, stirring of return uh, shows in Spain so it's interesting that you know I was booked as a talent on those shows in, in Spain and as was he so we met you know on very equal ground so to speak I'm not saying I'm for Booker T obviously uh, but you know we were both guys paid to to go to another country to, to do their best to put on a wrestling show uh, so I met him under those grounds then you know what a couple years short years later I was then uh, you know a student to him on Tough Enough um, which was kind of interesting cause we had like some history at least and, and uh, yeah he was uh, it was cool how each coach had their own role uh, you know, Trish was very um, supportive. Um, Bill was is, is ultra serious, and he's you know the the drill sergeant type. Uh, Stone Cold is kind of like the boss overseeing everything, and then Booker T would be like the uh, like the psychology master and like the the poetry master, and, and he would explain wrestling or or try to convey his his thoughts and feelings on it in, in very again poetic kind of terms and. Uh, and again, each person like fit this part of the the puzzle and kind of created this whole picture that was really nice. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a he's done it all, right? It's it's uh, he's 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 cool in my book. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of poetry in saying, "Oh, shucky ducky, quack quack." <laughs> yeah, here I am talking about how eloquent. <laughs> He discussed uh, for wrestling in like some of the most eloquent terms that I've ever come across, and then, right. and then yeah, then, then does that. So that is a funny uh, juxtaposition. <laughs> exactly, Bill Demott. Uh, like I just said, he I mean, he was like the drill sergeant. I mean, he's a guy that cares deeply about pro wrestling. Like he really deeply cares. He was brought into it in a certain way. He believes in that way, and he wants to kind of carry on that tradition. I mean, if he's going to put his name on you, or even if he's not going to put his name on you, but his name's going to be put on you via something like Tough Enough, uh, where your name is going to be 
intricately linked to his for all of time. He's going to make you earn that. And, and that's what he believes he needs to do. And, and then he, he goes ahead and does it, you know? So it's like he, he plays that uh, hard nosed role and, uh, and, you know, it, it, again, in a scenario like tough enough, it really, it really fits into the mold of, of what was needed and then kind of rounds out that pie. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's good to have someone in that sort of, you know, tough wrestling is not easy. So he's someone, especially in a tough enough type scenario where you have people that ultimately don't want to do this. So you got to weed out the weak because it's not easy. And everyone thinks they want to be a pro wrestler or the people that do rather. Well, I think that when they envision pro wrestling, they think of, let's say the rock on the top rope with the belt flipped over his wrist there, just nose raised high, just soaking it all in. Well, millions of people around the world just cheer for them. And they're like, yeah, I want to do that. That has little to nothing to do with pro wrestling. Like that, when I think of pro wrestling, that never even comes up. It's not me standing on the top rope. Oh, yay. Like it's broken bones. It's pain. It's long drives. It's sleeping on floors. It's getting no money. It, and these are all the things that are wrestling. It's working hard, It's working every day for a goal. It's seeing the big picture and knowing, that, okay, maybe I don't get paid now. Maybe I don't uh, not get hurt for a while. Maybe I'm in the hospital now and these, no one's cheering for me. I'm in a hospital bed. Like, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think Bill brings that reality to some of these people need that instant reality check, uh, and, and I think he's aware of that, and uh, and he definitely he brings that so so that ultimately they know what they're signing up for. Lastly, John Cena. Oh man, he's uh, I, I, he's always been good to me personally, and people always say like bad things about him, and I can't say a bad word. I mean, he's a guy that has done what needs to be done and his schedule is unbelievable and he's just so busy and uh being around him on tough enough he was one of the superstars that came in during the you know one and a half days whatever it was that i was actually there <laughs> uh, he was there and um i remember uh the producers you know more or less pulling him aside at some point i maybe even after we had a little q a with him like in the ring area and, and after that i believe he was sort of free to go and uh you know i kind of heard him telling the producers off camera not as part of the show that you know he wanted to he wanted to come back to the house he wanted to hang out and i thought that was pretty cool because this was like a saturday night he had like a pay-per-view in like boston the next day so you think the guy would want to get some sleep and just i mean what did he want to hang out with a bunch of idiots on tough enough for <laughs> and i remember him and they're like you could see by the look on their face that they didn't expect that and that they're like you know okay they're really taken aback I remember him coming back to the house, hanging out with us for a good half an hour, hour, and the producers again being like, "Okay, you know," like reminding him more or less, like, "Okay, John, you're you, you know, you're free to leave, like you've done what you contractually needed to do, like you like go, <laughs> like are you confused about like the parameters of this? You're you're free to leave." And again, this wasn't uh, this wasn't uh, a show. This wasn't them doing it for 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 effect. This is this is very low key. Something I just happened to catch. And him again being like, no, no, I'm good. I want to hang out for you know a while. And him and I was like, this guy is really cool. Uh, you know, fast forward years, and I was at WWE just doing extra work before a show in Cleveland or Kentucky or somewhere local. And uh, I put on a match, but you know, before the show, uh, just for some of the agents and all that. And, and a lot of the talent is ringside, so it's intimidating because you're in a giant empty arena with nothing but like the WWE roster essentially watching your match. I mean, how awkward is this? Uh, 
and, and I had my match, and then he kind of pulled me aside and was like impressed and, and very uh, complimentary and everything. And he's like, you know, are you coming back tomorrow? Because I'd like to get you a match with one of our guys, and I'd like to be able to see what you can do. And, and I was just it was really mind-blowing, and, and he was so nice. And then even later on in the day, I passed him the hallway, and he was mid-conversation with someone. I can't remember who, and he – not that he brushed them aside, but, but he, he stopped his conversation with them just to come over to me to, to then – be like, do they have you coming back tomorrow? Who, who do you want to, who can we get you in there with? Do you think you can get in with one of our, I mean, like, so he definitely, I believe, saw something in my match and, and has an eye on, like, the younger talent and, and isn't a, scared of the, the evolution or, or change in styles. And I just thought that was, I mean, incredible. I mean, he's John Cena. He doesn't need to talk to anyone, let alone a guy just there doing extra work, you know? So I was like, this is, this is really cool. You figure he would just be resting on his laurels. I mean, how many days has he been on the road at this point? Just, you'd want to rest, not watch the local guys put on an exhibition match. Like, so I was like, what, you know, how, how cool is this guy? So I've always thought just, I mean, and then when I said bye, he was again, like making sure I was going to be back the next day and making sure I was going to get a match. And, and it was really, it was really, it was really neat. So, um, yeah. Yeah, from that personal standpoint and personal experience, like, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I've interviewed many, many people in the three and a half years of this show, and it's usually split down the middle. You've, you've got people who highly advocate Cena, and then you got the other ones who are like, ah, nah, he's, a, you know, and I think there's, you know, from, from talking to people um, in depth, Beyond the show, I think there's legitimate. I think there's legitimacy on, on both ends, so it's pretty interesting to hear your take as well. Three quick questions: Who was the best announcer ever? Best announcer ever? <laughs> um, I, you got I guess Jr. Right? I mean, he brought so much to the table, just so much emotion, and just it was easy to get invested in the storyline. And he just, I don't know. To me, it's like, I and mean, probably a lot of people, he's just so attached to to the idea of wrestling that it's like i uh, just you know he, he seemed to bring something special to the table absolutely i think you picked jim ross because he's good friends with Stalkout. i had to do that i had to do that <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> uh, number two who has other than yours who has the best beard in pro wrestling oh i don't know about his wrestling ability but what uh now I'm drawing a blank. The guy in the Wyatt family with the red beard. Uh, Eric Rowan. Yeah, that thing is insane. Like, to me, as a bearded individual, like, I, I – uh, that's, like, one of the only, if not the only beards in the world that I have, like, some sort of beard envy for. Like, that thing is, is really <laughs> impressive. So, again, not, not speaking to his wrestling ability per se, but uh, purely on a beard standpoint, that thing is, that thing is impressive. Nice. And finally, who is your who was your favorite wrestler of all time? Uh, I guess if I had to narrow it down to one, I'm going to say a Dynamite Kid. Uh, he was just so nice. ahead of his time, and just that idea of how hard he went. I just think like all of us uh, can take something from that. I mean, I certainly have. It's it's not necessarily moves or it's not it's just like his like overall aura and just that idea of like leaving it all out in the ring and, and you could see it and feel it and it was just so real and insane and then when you think about the time frame in which he was doing it and what was happening in america or what was happening in the bigger promotions it's like holy crap like he wasn't like i don't know dropping a leg or just like just punching and kicking like Here's this. I mean, his matches stand up to this day. Like you could put one of them in between 
any other match on any other card ever, you know, and it would be like one of, if not the best matches. And it's like, how crazy is that? You could literally, that anyone could be some 20 years ahead of their time. I mean, that's just, it's like unreal. So, I mean, it's just like how jacked he was and everything. So I think if I had to name one person, because it's like, man, this guy ruled. Uh, So I think I'd go with him. Yeah, Dynamite Kid. I mean, it's it, it's so eerie how Dynamite Kid and Chris Benoit just resembled each other in the ring. It was just so yeah. eerie that oh goodness, it's crazy that I mean, it's like you can just mimic, you can just put two DVDs on two different TVs and they would just mimic each other. It was so it's so eerie. But both of them, All right, you know, sure. specifically, you know, Dynamite Kid was. Smash Mouth, and there were people doing the diving headbutt before him, but he made the diving headbutt cool. So yeah, because like then everything like so, like all in, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And he uh, let us know about what's going on with uh, season two of Lucha Underground. Uh, all hands are on deck, and they're trying to make sure the best hour in wrestling comes back. You know, uh, I know that uh, the network is interested. Everyone on our end is interested. So it's just a matter of, you know, uh, crossing these dotting I's type stuff, making sure all the people on the back end are on the same page and figuring out logistics and all these. I mean, it's a big-time production. There's so many people involved. We had a wardrobe department and an art department and a catering department and all these different, you know, full of, of Hollywood professionals. I mean, we're talking about... Uh, this is a show being run on uh, Robert Rodriguez's channel. I mean, these are like, you know, uh, and Mark Burnett. These are these are big-time people who are, are busy. <laughs> so uh, it's just trying to get all these same people on the same page at the same time. Uh, but I know that uh, so many people uh, feel so passionately about it, and I'm not just talking about the fans, obviously, but, but people uh, intimately involved in the show. Uh, so every day they are, uh, you know, trying to close that out and, and announce it uh, sooner than later. And again, I would assume that we would know uh, sooner than later about uh, official uh, dates and, and whatnot. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to that. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, I, I was a part of it, but now to see the impact that it sort of had and is having and to see how well it came out and to, to see how it, it was all portrayed and, and, and those influences of those directors and whatnot on the on the product it's just like holy crap am i excited you know like it reawoke my love of wrestling that's for sure because i'm just like this is that sense of like wonder is there the sense of magic is there the sense of anything that can happen is there like all the things that i liked and drew me into this initially are are now alive and well in lucha underground and so i just can't wait to get back to work yeah awesome i'm going to ask you the most riveting hot seat question that I could possibly ask you and hopefully you're All ready right. for it. Are you ready? I think so. Matt Cross, are you an Ohio State Buckeyes fan? <laughs> oh, oh, and I see that gonna give me all kinds of all kinds of heat. Uh I went to Ohio State. So uh uh, yeah, yeah, post high school, that's where uh started college. I mean, at that time is when I was in the video game uh, for Bearcat Wrestling. So it was a really interesting time because I'm here I am sitting in a classroom. I remember getting called, not directly from Oprah, but from Oprah's producers about coming onto her show. We ended up doing Jenny Jones. I mean, like, just like we're, things were really, uh, the wheels were spinning. 
uh, things are really starting to take off as far as, you know, this, this Becca wrestling craziness in the videos and the video games and then our, our wrestling going along at the same time as that. So that was all happening while I was uh, while I was at Ohio State. Um, so I did two years there, and then I ended up leaving because in my head I was like, man, I just, I don't know. Like, I was sitting in these classrooms versus, with next to all these idiot kids, and, and I'm on the front cover of a video game, and I'm like, what am I doing in here? Like, I need to pursue, like, college will always be here. This opportunity that I'm getting, like, being a playable like i'm zelda like zelda doesn't go to school man like <laughs> i need to get out of here and pursue this wrestling thing now after a couple of years in the wrestling business and then a really good taste of it i was like ah, i'm gonna go back to college now so i ended up graduating uh and have my bachelor's degree in communications but uh yeah i, I can't say that i'm the biggest uh buckeyes fan uh i mean they're like the only team i guess worth cheering for in ohio uh the only ones that ever win anything so if you're going to cheer for a team it'd be easy to pick but uh, i don't get wrapped up in sports i mean maybe that's a product of being born and raised in cleveland uh we are notorious for never winning anything ever so i watch my friends get heartbroken <laughs> I, I watch i watch all my friends get heartbroken year after year and get so emotionally invested and what i see is other people chasing their dreams and i'm just too busy trying to chase my own so i'm not going to spend that that four hours or whatever it is to watch any game is, is hours that i could uh, be spending securing bookings for myself or at the gym or in other ways ultimately in these you know since we're cleveland we're going to lose and then these people just get so caught up in it and i just kind of learned from an early age I, I think i had a moment you know growing up where i was like okay cool and then it just kind of didn't last long so i'm like i don't need to you know i'm like a little kid and i'm like this is stressful and it's like man just go play why why, <laughs> why put your little tiny brain under all this stress yeah it's been a pleasure sir really appreciate it um it's been a fantastic discussion and Best, best, best wishes to you and your career, man. And, I, you know, you've been in it for a while, uh, almost 15 years. And, you know, from from based on, you know, the resurgence of Matt Cross and just your your uh, rising fandom and Lucha Underground, I see so much more, man, and, and major kudos to you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, uh anyone wants to follow along, I'm on Twitter at uh, twitter.com backslash mdogmattcross. Uh, Facebook, same thing, facebook.com backslash mdogmattcross. I love getting messages from people all over the world and just sharing pictures and, and conversation. I try to get back to as many people as I can. If not everyone, I am uh, pride myself in being pretty good at that because, uh, again, I'm on the indies, so I'm, I'm getting fans one at a time, and that's fine. Um, so I love uh, – and I think I bring something unique to the table as far as uh, my travels and, and just the way I experience things and interact with things. And I'll try to keep it interesting and, and would love for you guys to follow along. And, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, helping to spread the, the word of Matt Cross. It's been a fun a fun chat. Awesome. Have a good night, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three, on mine, let's go. The whole squad is 
Making it clear, we taking this year You know who we are, but you don't know why we here So this is where the big boys play These big boys play, like who defies the living God Get out the big boys way Outsiders with the swoop in We live as kings, you see in us But our third man waits in the wings And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack I go for dolo, but ain't solo Cut the promo in black Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them to the max And I'm Das Wonderkin, with the strength of a hundred men With one intent, to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself But you rap about your gas and your rags torture White coffins when I drop a bomb My mic's awesome, never lost faith You in all space, you can all skate, suffer but never cripple No bin walls in my cross face From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating I was frostbit, now I am Glacier, mixed with some Vader Get to hawking with these animals Using God for my defense In Alabama we jamming That's beautiful Bobby eating Me and Priest We the dangerous alliance Nah, the Harlem Heat Tie the do-rag before we do battle You're talking shit You are what you speak This too sweet Still a number is took back We reppin' that wolf pack The foundation shaking, No mistaking Yeah, we shook that Trust in God we trust Pushing forward Never look back Meekness ain't at all weakness Some people mistook that Stampin' out this crook rap He turning the power on On the razor's edge Leg drop after a power bomb Tired of the lies, man We bringing the truth through Diligent and fruitful The owners in our group, too It's good to be king Sold out this war, it's brutal We playing the war game Our army go move too You too I'm in the Baptist With a bat in my hand And stand to shatter all your plans So they don't matter In the grand scheme It's that easy We tag teaming Donner Brothers, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Of course, a fantastic interview by Son of Havoc from Lucha Underground, also known as Matt Cross, where he spent most of his uh, career as Matt Cross, and just such an amazing resurgence in Lucha Underground as Son of Havoc, former Lucha Underground Trios champion with Angelico and Eva Lise. Awesome interview, Derek. Hey, that was a fantastic interview. An awesome evening, as always, with pancakes and power slams. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Cross, absolutely phenomenal. That was such a good in-depth interview. He gave us such information. Chris asked the best questions. We got answers, pancakes, and power slams, episode 176. It's come to this. 176, and we're going you strong. Another 176 episodes to go, if not more. All right, oh, absolutely. Nice rhyme there. Uh, trivia question real quick. Who was the fourth member of the NWO? Who was the fourth member of the NWO? Let's just get through Raw. <clears throat> we're going to talk about, uh, uh, real quick, uh, the flavor of the week. We're going to talk about uh, notable beards. Notable beards. Um, but let's get to Raw real quick. Seth Rollins, in-ring promo, interrupted by Cesaro, then Kevin Owens, then Randy Orton. Triple H comes out and schedules a triple threat for the uh, number one contender. I, I think that they're trying to merge uh, Randy Orton and Sheamus or Kevin Owens and Cesaro in with the Seth Rollins feud because, you know, not, not making – not knowing if John Cena is going to be able to do it, you know, be there 100% and, 
and go. Um, I watched Tough Enough tonight, and uh, I think Gigi has a bright future. But you know, I think it was based on popularity, of course, and she was voted out, unfortunately. But uh, John Cena was there, and uh, you know, his nose seemed like uh, they just put a brand new one on there. So it's it's crazy how. Uh, he still had a little bit of a shiner on the, on his uh, right side, but um, they did a fantastic job putting his nose back in line. So uh, I'm sure that it's tender. I'm sure that it needs some time to heal, um, so I won't do it again. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe Cena will be involved, maybe not. Um, if so, It'll be interesting, you know, what they're doing with him and, and Seth Rollins. I'm still not a big fan, like I said before. You know, just I rather I would rather John Cena being in a, in an actual match for the U.S. title. But you know, it's interesting how they're going to book that. You know, if they do happen. But I wrote an article today on PWMania.com that I, I want a four way for the Money in the Bank briefcase, um, and it's called Book It. Uh, you know, and I, every now and then I'll have a an article. I have an article series that I, I write infrequently called Book It, and uh, this this match was just you know I think there should be a fatal four way for the Money in the Bank briefcase. We saw it in 2005 uh, with uh, we, we saw it in 2006 uh, with a backlash between Shelton Benjamin and RVD. We saw it with Kennedy and uh, Edge in 2007. We saw it uh, with uh, John Cena and, and Dolph Ziggler. All those were for the briefcase. So I would like it. I would like to see that. Uh, but, you know, uh, it will be interesting how if John Cena is not available or not able to wrestle, um, you know, the latest reports are they're going to do a triple threat between uh, Orton, Sheamus, and – Rollins, I really don't want to see that because I'm tired of seeing Orton versus Rollins this year. So uh, I'd rather see Kane come back in the mask and go against Seth Rollins than see another Orton Rollins match. I really don't. I, I don't want to see that at all. A lot of people don't want to see that, and it's it's kind of a, it's just a big mix up and a mess now. Is he going to be there? Is he not? What do you look like on Tough Enough? Again, I thought his eyes were going to be like totally black and just you know. Big old swollen nose, and he looked like he always did. So it's just, you know, it'll probably be their SummerSlam, so we'll be saved by anything like that. But, yeah, it's, they don't know what to do with these people. And using the money in the bank is almost like an extra title where there's a, a stipulation. The winner gets money in the bank. That's fine. We've seen it before. We'll probably see it again. That's, I don't think they really have anything else to do with that right now because Sheamus just isn't that exciting with the money in the bank. Absolutely. Ted DiBiase is the correct answer. Name two wrestlers who went by the name of Bam Bam. Name two wrestlers who went by the name of Bam Bam. Next, we have Team Bella versus Team Bad. And, yeah, uh, that was pretty much that. Not too bad of a match, but, you know, we'll see what this Diva Revolution gives us. Still no Divas title match, which makes absolutely no sense. I think the elimination match, you know, should be that should have a title stipulation in it. Uh, they're going to have an elimination three team match at SummerSlam. Should be interesting, but you know, at the end of the day, the Divas Championship is really what matters, and they're not even 
focusing on that. So although the Divas Revolution is good, although it brings a, a, a much-needed different element to the Divas division, at the end of the day, the Divas Championship is still the prominent goal, and we're not seeing a lot of that lately. So that's definitely a missing link in this Divas Re- Revolution, what they're doing right now. Yeah, Divas Revolution, they're they trying. The WWE is actually trying to put some life into the w, uh, WWE Divas. But the the championship itself, I mean, it's like it's uh, no one really. It's kind of irrelevant title now, so it's, it could be better. But again, what they're trying with the revolution, I can see that, and I've got good hopes for it. But again, it's I don't want to fall flat, but yeah, they need to figure something out quick. Yeah, absolutely. New Day defeating Los Matadores. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, every week I say something positive about the New Day. I, I think that they're amazing. I love them. I think they're a fantastic team. They've added the extra element of their entrance now. They, you know, each of them have their, uh, their, their. I guess their type of entrance, their their particular type of entrance that they that they do. Kofi just kind of swing, swing, claps, and just swirls his arms and and. Uh, Biggie is like a stout robot, a muscular stout robot uh, going down. And then, you know, the side shuffle uh, by Xavier Woods, I think it's amazing. Uh, I, so, you know, they're they're doing a four-way match for the tag team titles at SummerSlam. Now, you know, that's booked. I think this is finally the opportunity that, you know, we are looking for. I think the New Day will become champs again. Here's my early yeah. prediction. They'll become champions again. I mean, that's obvious. They have to. And for them to go up against Los Matadors, I would, I'm surprised Matadors is still around. It's just, it was a throwaway match. It didn't really do much of anything, except make New Day on Monday Night Raw. Great, because we need that. more New Day, the better. But the match itself just didn't uh, do anything. Right. Who introduced Fake Diesel and Fake Razor Ramon? Who introduced Fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. <laughs> oh, comment of the night. <laughs> Love the people over at VR Wrestling, WWNation.com. So far, the comment of the night is that <clears throat> someone was going to leave the uh, comment board after the interview, and he said, I just did a Terry Funk, said goodnight and staying for a bit. There you go. That's the comment of the night so far. Jim Ross is the correct answer as well. Randy Orton defeating Cesaro and Kevin Owens. Good match between the two, uh, between the three. Uh, it just made, I, I suppose it made sense for Randy Orton to win. They wanted to make a marquee main event. But I tell you what, Cesaro is red hot. And I've always been a fan of his work. Uh, I haven't been a fan of his characters and what they've done with him in the WWE. He was definitely not a favorite by any stretch or I really didn't care for him, you know, as far as the character is concerned. Definitely respect his work in ROH as Claudio Castagnoli and, of course, with Chris Hero as the Kings of Wrestling. But I tell you now, this is the best I've ever liked Cesaro. He is red hot, and if this guy isn't in a main event match at a minor pay-per-view this year, I'm going to riot. Cesaro is the man... And he's one of the most. I think he's one. Of, I think he's one of the MVPs 
of the WWE right now. And that's exactly what he should be. I mean, the dude is so talented. Brass Ring Club. He's got everyone behind him. He's got his own Cesaro section. He's just oozing with an explosion that's just going to absolutely rock the WWE, which it should. And it's you know, I don't want to see you upset, and I don't want to see you right because I've seen you right, and it's not a pretty thing. So, I mean, definitely Cesaro, he's where he needs to be. He can go nowhere but up if the WWE just lets that happen. Harper defeating Ambrose, I think this was really good. I think Harper getting the win over Ambrose was good just to lead into their uh, match. I'm okay with the build for the tag team. Of course, the false alarms with Sting and whoever the – potential other third member was. A lot of people were saying Adam Rose turning back to Leo Kruger. Uh, so I, I would have wished a six-man would have made more – it would it would have been a little bit more spark to the feud. But it's been a solid feud, you know, ever since it was just Bray and, Ray, uh, and Roman Reigns. Um, you know, two months later, it's, you know, it, it, Dean Ambrose and, and Luke Harper in, and involved as well. So – it, it's fine. It, the, the taxi match should be a good match. Uh, this match between Ambrose and Harper was good, uh, so I think it's. I think it'll be a solid match at SummerSlam. It'll be a solid match at SummerSlam. If anything, it'll be just a showcase of you know pure talent between the individuals in the match that can go and put it down. And um, it's it's going to be a good match. It's going to be a great mid card match. I'm looking forward to it, and I think everybody in the match can actually deliver. And you know, maybe not. Even the show so much, but you know, really make it something solid. And yeah, maybe SummerSlam. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Sting makes a last-minute appearance as a saves the day. You know, maybe we see a third member of the Wide family uh, help out and handy and double teams or you know triple teams, <clears throat> Reigns and Ambrose, and then. Sting comes out and saves the day. Maybe. We'll see. Miss TV with Daniel Bryan. Ryback comes back. I'm you know, I'm 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 cool with Ryback. I I'm just not a big fan of this triple threat intercontinental title match, but you know, if if you want somewhere to put him, you know, on, on for SummerSlam, you know, I I'm not totally opposed to it, but I, I I'm not excited about it either. Yeah, I mean, Ryback's got to be there with the Intercontinental title for uh, SummerSlam, but yeah, it's it was just kind of a doll stealth segment, and uh, Ryback still has that power behind him and the the, the push to go, but it's it's still it's almost a stalemate to where it could go over, it could go progress. Yeah. Next, we got Rusev uh, against Mark Henry. Uh, really, really no contest or disqualification or whatever you want to name it, but. It focused around Summer Rae and Lana, and then Summer Rae puts Lana in some in the accolade, the, the the camel clutch, and it seemed like that was some some genuine feelings behind that. That she cranked that back a, a few more notches than what she probably was supposed to. That was just a throwaway match. Yeah, but he had to try to see. But you know, just for the ladies, let them have their time. Rusev again, he's just become a novelty act. Yeah, Neville defeating King Barrett. I don't, I don't understand why they have King Barrett get squashed by Neville, and then turn around and have Barrett be on a marquee match at at SummerSlam. You know, with with Stardust against uh, Stephen Stephen Amell and uh, and Neville. 
I, I really didn't understand the outcome of that match, but we got another tag team match at SummerSlam. And SummerSlam this year, tag team matches. They got four hours, ladies and gentlemen. That's a lot of time to fill. They could put pancakes and power slams to fill 90 minutes of that. That'd be great. Oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> let us let us be the commentators. Let the pancakes and power slams uh, be the commentators. Speaking of that, speaking of SummerSlam, be sure to hashtag PNP with all of your comments. And, uh, you know, I'll definitely be reading the comments um, off uh, on the following show. Hashtag PNP. Uh, and let us know your comments. Follow at Crave Wrestling as well, and follow at Chris Prolific. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and finally we get Randy Orton and Seth Rollins. A DQ because of Sheamus interferes, broke its Rollins. Tips the cash in, but gets RKO'd by Orton. The cash in, you know, was it was intriguing. It, it would have been interesting if Sheamus would have won. That would have just totally. Uh, flip the, the, the script on SummerSlam plans, but it was interesting that Sheamus is starting to tease and tease cash-ins at this point. I, yeah, it's good. It's good for a show. Not too much behind it, though. I mean, it's, it's kind of a... It's, all of a sudden, he cashed it in. He cashed it in last night. And then all of a sudden, he didn't. Yeah, uh, whatever. Typical, typical ending to Raw. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick, Flavor of the Week coming up. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. All right, Derek, if you could think of one beard in your long career of watching wrestling, who do you think of? I think of Bill Billy Jim. Yeah. I think it's Billy Jim. Uh uh, Nightheart, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, he'd always pull on it, it was real tight and straight, but <laughs> <he'll>... <laughs> the, the Anvil <laughs> laugh. <laughs> Billy Jim had an all beard for beards go, so I'll give Billy Jim my nod. Yeah. Uh, I would, for me, definitely, definitely Jim Nightheart. I also have to give Bruiser Brody some love, too, man. I, uh, was a big fan of Bruiser Brody's beard, and of course Randy Savage. Man, he had he had one of the he was one of the coolest ever. So he had one of the coolest beards that I can ever think of. Uh, of course, Captain Lou Albano was uh, awesome as well. I remember uh, as a as a uh, I remember as a kid, I always wondered how he had that little rubber band tied in his face, and then he had the rubber band. On his beard as well. I, I remember that as a kid. So, yeah, man, a a uh, lifetime, uh, uh, years and decades full of really really cool beards. Um, I think uh, there's probably one more person that I can think of. Uh, Jimmy Valiant was a big was another one too. Boogie Woogie Man, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Valiant. I remember watching Boogie Woogie Man in the uh, NWA with his Boogie Woogie and. And uh, I always thought his beard was pretty cool as well. But Matt Cross, son of Havoc, Lucha Underground. Uh, follow, check out Lucha Underground, El Rey Network, um, for those who are able to get to El Rey Network. But Lucha Underground, their Facebook page, they they actually play full matches on their Facebook page as well. Of course, you can check their stuff out on YouTube. There's a way to. 
keep keep track with uh, with Lucha Underground, and you know they they've got some fantastic talent there. Of course, Matt Cross, Alberto El Patron, Prince Puma, uh, of course, Eva Lee's. Uh, you have Johnny Mundo there as well. You've got you've got a bunch. Uh, um, uh, Mil Muertes used to be um, Judas Macias, and of course El Macias. Uh, you know, he was Judas Macias in, in TNA. Um, yeah, just just a bunch of amazing talent in, in, in Lucha Underground. And of course, uh, Matt Stryker and Vampiro heading. Just, just, a, just a great, great uh, breath of fresh air in the wrestling business. So, thank you, Matt Cross, for giving your time to us today and fantastic interview. Again, follow at Crave Wrestling. Tweet uh, at Chris Prolific as well. Crave Wrestling Facebook page. We are there. We're all we're, we're reporting stuff every day. There, there's articles galore all, all the time. Uh, check me out. I'm a feature columnist over at PWMania.com there uh other wrestling endeavors as well thank you so much for continuing to to support pancakes and power slams 176 episodes and counting because of people like you of course if you want to listen to this interview again check us out on itunes pancakes and power slams every single episode is on iTunes. Go to subscribe to the Pancakes and Power Slams uh, iTunes um, page, uh, and and be sure to subscribe there and and listen to any episode that you like from one to one hundred and seventy six. We'll be here next week, God willing. Until then, enjoy your week of wrestling. Daddy loves Ian and Elijah. For listening tonight, had a fantastic time. Had a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.